Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we're here with Robert Bell, and he is the founder of SMIP Consultancy, S-M-I-P, which I thought was such a funny name. Awesome. Good work. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to have, have Robert here because we, we just had a good conversation before this interview to really talk about creativity and to, how to harness that to grow your business, as well as really fighting that imposter syndrome. And I love to talk about this in particular because you know, we've, we've worked with billionaires and they still have that imposter syndrome they're fighting all the time. So I'm excited to delve into how we can work through that and manage that. So Robert, first off, say what's up to everybody and we'll hop in, man. What's up, everybody? That's me, Robert. Um, as you can hear, I'm excited to be here to talk to Josh, you know, just to bring value to you and to help you leave this place and just fired up to actually make that step. Love it. And I also have to give a shout out to Robert here. He is our first guest ever from Nairobi. So I don't, what would you call it? Nairobian? Nairobin? How, how, how do you say that? Nairobian. Nairobian. Yeah, Nairobian. I don't want to make, yeah. make myself sound like <laughs> so, first Nairobian guest, um, which I think is really awesome. We've worked with people in Nairobi, but never had one on the show. So mm. this will be a, this will be a fun interview, Robert. And then we'll finish up so you can actually go eat dinner. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to ask you this, Robert, just to kind of kick it off really around that imposter syndrome, because as I mentioned in the introduction, I mean, we've worked anything from never owned a business to multi-billionaire, everybody struggles with this imposter syndrome. So walk us through kind of your methodology of how to fight that and manage it. All right. So first thing that I tell people to do is stop fighting imposter syndrome. All right. Imposter syndrome is actually a very good thing. Uh, because you you deal with imposter syndrome or it comes about because you have this aspiration right you 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 have this expectation that you want to you know you want to achieve right now the challenge comes in is that where you are right now and where you're trying to be you know you're, you're not really quite there yet so you want to be the top podcast in the world and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that you should dream to have that you get your podcast started the thing is to relate to imposter syndrome i think fighting it is 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 the old school way and it's just trying to get over it because you'll find yourself back in a vicious cycle you can get over the hump of imposter syndrome right now then you become a billionaire you still have that imposter syndrome right um so what i say is is have a relationship with this imposter syndrome and and stare the imposter syndrome in his face and say you know what i see you i see you but i'm coming for you right it's it's just identifying what you need to do to get to that stage so before I started my business, I was like, look, I want to start a business for sure. But I didn't expect on day one, I'm going to have a flourishing business and money just piling through the doors. I needed to make sure I'm one in tune with the reality of it, that the first few days is going to be tough. The first few days when I started my business, I'm telling you, I mean, family, friends, the people who you thought like really would support you. I mean, just telling you, hey, you know, I noticed your lifestyle has changed. I think you should go get a job. And I'm like, like no, not one single person, Josh, ever came to me and say, hey, um, I noticed you started your business. I think you should speak to this person and that person. He, that person might be able to you know, help you. So the imposter syndrome, it all relates to that because you, that, those voices start to feed that, 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 that monster inside of your head, imposter syndrome. Because when you start hearing those things, when you start a business, you're like, you know what? It's true. Who am I to think that I could have started a business? So relate to it and just identify that you have to make those infancy steps as you go along the way. 
and I love that relationship with, I've never actually heard it explained that way. And it's, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I see you're there. <laughs> I'm coming for you. And, and, you know, it's funny as your entrepreneurial journey is not unique in that sense. Right. I mean, even to this day, people don't know what I do and, and family's there to make you humble. Right. But uh, when we, when we have conversations we just had a really interesting situation that we're buying a new company and my father-in-law is loves everything about what we do. And he, he was told me to, to tell all of my, my in-laws that we're buying this new company. And I, I don't ever talk about it because I don't want people feeling like intimidated or anything. And, and I love my, my, my in-laws and uh, I brought it up and it was the most uncomfortable moment because they're all like, I don't even know what to ask. And, uh, and it's, it's funny because no matter what success level you have is like, you're, you're still just going to be the, the brother-in-law, the, the sister, the father, the son, whatever. And, and people look at it as, um, and they're, they're, they're just keep you humble <laughs> because you're still you, even though you have a business, but then they also worry, what are you doing? You know, there's this always this uncomfortable moment when people ask you, what do you do? Oh, I, I own my own company. And they're like, oh, <laughs> they just never know what to say. <laughs> what is it? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know what? You, you've gotten to level two of the relationship of imposter syndrome and you've hit the nail right on the head. The key word there is, is humbles you humility. I, I, I just did earlier today, I had a coaching client and, and we've gotten to that stage, you know, because without having that humility and that relationship with the imposter syndrome, then you don't get the opportunity to grow. So, I mean, if, if when you want to become a world-class speaker, right, you hit the stage, you don't really deliver as you quite have expected to, because you have some probably deficiencies in competence, but many of us don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear, we don't want to put ourselves out there so that we can identify the deficiencies we have in various competencies so that we can develop it. And that takes a lot of humility. You can only do that by being vulnerable, right? So that's why you have to have a relationship with the positive and say, look, I see you, but you know what? I'm going to make that bold step, right? I'm going to step on that stage. I'm going to click record on that podcast. I'm going to write that paragraph for that book. I'm going to, um, you know, um, follow up on that lead and try to convert you know i'm gonna i'm gonna make that scary call and say are you interested in this product right because that's the only how you develop the competence too much time too many times we live in the head and we don't take any action um and the best action to take is the imperfect action you got to be able to do that in your relationship with imposter syndrome wow yeah i i love it you're speaking to my soul here man <laughs> I, I love that we, i was just having a conversation last night with my wife and she was she was like, look how far you cut, you've come. You know, when we were doing our, our Facebook ads agency, I, I was scared quoting a price of $500 a month. I'm like, There's no way they're going to pay me that, you know? And now if I quoted $500 a month, I'd be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. Um, and uh, it, it's just funny, like nothing changed other than my, my mental blocks and feeling like I was worth it or what we had was worth it. And so I love that. That's the relationship we're building with with that imposter syndrome. And, and so I want to ask you this because I like the term imposter syndrome because it's very indicative of what a, what a, what a entrepreneur has, but it really is just fear. I mean, it's, it's fear to, to take action. And, and, and I know more recently we've, it's kind of come to light that we need to be more vulnerable. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because you mentioned it. Um, how do you work, especially with men? Because we really struggle with being humble and being vulnerable and, and sharing these things. What, um, what do you recommend to somebody who is, wants to be vulnerable, but can't, or feels like they can't? All right. 
that's that's a very good question, Josh. And I really want to acknowledge that because uh, I I was there. Like you you have the desire, you really have the desire, but it's there just seems to be this stronghold. You know, there just seems to be something just as you you just can't seem to do it, right? Um, <laughs> especially with men. Yeah, I totally I totally hear what you're saying, and particularly men who are a bit more mature um getting close to mid midlife etc because it is harder it's harder to bend at that point in time right it seems a bit harder um but also even especially fresh young you know entrepreneurs in the early 20s because they think they they know it all right i mean that's we were all there so first thing is you know understanding people where they are right i help people to understand where they are usually that resistance to be humble and to ask questions comes about because there's a fight going on there's something that you're fighting there's something that either was said or there was, um, you know, so, so, some some kind of, it could be from a situation, it could be from a person, or it could be self-imposed that I have to make this work, right? And that we, that stronghold of making, you know, fearing failure, it goes back to what you said, that fear of failure, because being humble means you got to take a step back and you, you got to be able to unpeel all the layers, right? And with men, the challenge is, seeing or having them understand that sometimes the actions you've taken you'll have to take a step back and redo it again you got to take a step back and redo it again now if, if you get a guy who likes washing his car and waxing it and polishing it that guy will go over every spot over and over again and he'll he'll be determined to dig into it and dig into it now when you face a situation in life where you're not where a man is not willing to go back to there is because there was some sort of embarrassment, I find. From my experience and my coaching and everything, there was some sort of embarrassment and going there just opens up that wound that would have happened before because look, so I help that person to identify what wound are you trying to cover up, right? Because look at it, humility is about just being, being open to be vulnerable. You get a coach, you have to say, coach, check out my form. Coach, check out my business. You know, you're, you're open, you're willing to, because you, you have that growth mindset going on. But when you're not willing to open up that much, it means that there's something you're trying to protect. And I find that a lot in the clients that I work with um, through my business who are small business owners, right? And I'm a qualified accountant. So the first thing, and you can see the stronghold they have on finances. They're like, they're, they're like okay, show me what you've been spending on. And they give you partly. And then, you know, because I'm an accountant, I can do some forensics and I can find out, hey, look, there's some things that are missing here. What happened here? Well, yeah, that was something, something, something. And I was like, okay, you didn't disclose that to me. You know, what's, what's going on? I mean, they also just don't know what's going on. So it's bringing that awareness that what are you fighting? What are you trying to protect? And even on the flip side, Josh, I've found entrepreneurs who say I'm struggling in my business. I don't have cash. And they have money put aside, like a ton load of money. And I'm like, um, like, yeah, you have all this money. It's like, yeah, yeah, but that's my safety net. Um, I'm never going to touch that. I was like, but you're drowning here in your business, right? <laughs> you, have, you have cash here. It doesn't mean that you got to put all your life savings away, but you have to be able to merge. There's something you're trying to protect. And when I, when in, in a situation like that, I find that they're not willing to touch that saving because they had a relative or they had a friend who put their all into the business and went completely bankrupt and they're scared of that. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like they've got, they're drowning and there's an attitude right there. Like, well, I'm, I'm saving that just in case I'm drowning. You know, it's just yeah. such a funny, yeah. funny image when you see that, like, man, I, I'm glad that's not one of my uh, traumas with it. I'm, I'm too risky with my money. I think it's half my, um, but uh, yeah, I love that. And, and that's such a cool methodology. You know, it's like, let's, let's get to the, the core of the embarrassment. Like what, and I mean, I'm just going to use sales as an example, because 99% of people, I suck at sales and, and it's like, okay, well, why? 
why are you bad at what was that embarrassing moment you know and and i love that because mm-hmm. it allows them to open the wound and then heal it like well that wasn't your fault you know <laughs> and that it wasn't because you were a bad salesman maybe that person wasn't interested at the time or what have you so that's cool let me say something on that because here is another way that we we fight that humility um and it's, it's an avoidance tactic right there, there's a series of avoidance tactics around that that like going back to that same scenario why do you think you suck at sales well you know you don't really know you just i, I don't know who told you that uh, and so much related to creativity and we're going to get there because you ask people why do you think you're not creative like they have no clue like there's no assessment you ever did that said no you are not creative don't ever call yourself a creative again or we'll come and arrest you and you'll be fine <laughs> there's nothing like that right but here's the avoidant tactics that happens overcompensating on competence competencies that don't need to be developed so you're not good in sales and you're not willing to get to that point of admission and you're not good in sales. So instead what you do, you want to sign up for all the best sales training. You want to sign up for everything. You want to use what's the best funnel, uh, click funnel. I want to do this. You want to do everything, 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 except address the issue that you personally have. And I keep telling people, sometimes you got to leave the Google, the Google in, right? And trying to find the best guru, you know, trying to find the best person in this. You need to find someone who will identify your specific issue. So you can't just Google and say top 10 ways to become the best salesperson. Those things are very generic. They're very helpful. I I, I totally agree. But there are times you might have an issue. And one of your issues may be, I find with people who say they're not good at sales is that they worry about their physical appearance. So they uh, relate sales to having to look good. I have to look good. You know, my face had to be good. My hair got to be good. And then I can sell. So it's an issue of confidence there, obviously, or something else, you know. Uh, Sorry if I'm spilling anyone's secrets. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. And and I love that because that's I would say 99% of the time that we've worked with people who say, oh I, I hate selling, I suck at selling, is it's it's because they've got a perception and then they've got that, like you said, that experience tied to it. That's that wound of, oh, I'm not going to be good at it because of XYZ. Um and I, and I love that. Or, or that salespeople are slimy and, and trickery and I'm not that kind of person. It's in the back of your head and you're subconscious at times and you don't even know it. Well, and I mean, Hollywood and all these places, I mean, they're, they're selling us that. I mean, the bad guy is always the businessman in the suit and the sales guy. <laughs> always. And always. Uh, it's really interesting because when you get into this world and you meet business people, you're like, wow, the successful ones are really kind, good people who genuinely care about your success. And... Uh, Yes, it's it's really interesting. Such a, such an interesting concept there. So I, I want to kind of transition the conversation a little bit now to the, the creativity side because that seems to be that your methodology is like root out the problem. What's the big problem? Figure it out, address it. But it sounds like creativity is the way to fix it. Is that correct? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Love it. Um, that is the root problem. You know, why is that the root problem? Um, and it's not about trying to make you more artistic. It's not about trying to make you learn an instrument because people misunderstand what creativity is. You see, creativity is an identity extractor. Creativity helps to bring out our uniqueness. That's that. that you remember what I was saying earlier that you, you got to move away from the gurus and top 10 ways to become the best salesperson and address your specific issue. And your issue is tied into your relationship with creativity right? That's, that's where it comes about. Because creativity is when we are allowed to be our complete self. And, and many of us are, are afraid of, of being our, ourselves because going back to what you said, um, societal issues, so many other issues, the perception, right? So to be an entrepreneur, I have to be this type of person. Um, to be an accountant, you know, um, when I started pushing this whole concept of creativity, my accountant friends were like, 
I mean, you're, you're talking too much. We, we don't do that around here. You know, I, I was full on persona accountant, my glasses, my pocket square calculator. Trust me, I, I, I was that person. The CPA you can picture in your head right now, that was me. And when I started doing these things, people were like, no, stay back in your lane. What, what are you doing? We don't do those kind of things. So I was like, yeah, but accountancy is just something that I do. It doesn't fully define me. And then I went on a journey. So how do I define myself, right? So if I remove the label of my profession or this of my school, my, my, my certifications or whatever, who, who am I really at the core? And I found out I was empty. You know, I was totally empty. I, I had no clue who I was. So I had no solid foundation. So creativity gives us that foundation. It helps us to know. It helps us to give us interception. Let me ask you this then. So if it brings out our vulnerabilities and it helps us to identify really the weaknesses and the strengths and everything, it's also the solution to the problem, right? Is, is identifying and then adjusting. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And you see, bringing out your vulnerabilities is not a bad thing. It's absolutely not a bad thing, right? Because it, it shows that those innate parts of us that we want to develop, that your body, your soul, is, is, is your mind wants to develop, but you're resisting it. You're denying it by you know, distracting and avoiding by trying to do other things. So you want to go for more degrees. You want to go for a master's. You want to go for that. And, and that's why right now, when you look around in the, in the corporate world, that people are looking for people with soft skills, with relevant skills, right? It's not just about the hard skills. We focus so much on the hard skills that we, we've, forgot about building ourselves. I, I call it creativity is about bringing the human back into work, bringing the human back into life, right? So it's not just about I'm a father or I'm a husband and these are the things that a husband does, right? But what are things that you are good at, right? And, and this is where the humility comes in. And what are things that you're just not good at right now, right? Because you can't develop something that you, you're not aware of or know that you have a deficiency in. And too often we want to develop things that, that the outside world tells us we need to develop, Right. And instead of developing the things we need to develop. So people always come to me and say, hey, how can I be a better business person? How can I be whatever? How can I be this? How can I be that? And I said, um, you don't need to learn what to do to be any of those people. You just need to be that person. And being that person means learning to accept that there's going to be failure. You got to try it out. You got to, you know, uh, put yourself out there and make an attempt, make an attempt and do something because that's what will help bring out, you know, what you're good at. I mean, let me ask you, Josh, have you ever failed at something? but you enjoyed it because you realize, oh, okay, I see what I did wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try that again. Yes. Many, many, many times. That's a daily activity <laughs> on business, right? <laughs> you don't always enjoy it, but yeah, I, yeah. I can, can specifically say yes. Yeah. Because when that's how we learn, you know, failure is, is fuel for mastery, right? Failure is fuel for mastery, but I got to caution people that it's not just about going out and jumping off the cliff, Right. Because before you can get to the level of mastery, this is where the imposter syndrome comes in again and ties in with creativity. And I say this all the time, that bravery must come before mastery. You have to learn to be brave first. You got to take the step. And then when you take the step, you do one, you know, a concept that I've developed that I go by the mantra of my life, which is MAMI. It's an acronym, M-A-M-I, which stands for minor adjustments that give major improvements. All right. So think of a traffic, a gridlock, traffic gridlock at a junction, right? It's usually just one or two cars need to move and everything else will flow smoothly. And it's the same thing in a business and in your life. It's usually just one small, and it's not, sometimes it's not a big thing. Sometimes it's a very small pesky thing, but that pesky thing has fostered and grown and become, you know, you know, it's just become like spread like a cancer and it's grown bigger than it ought to. And if you just address that one small issue, 
right? That's going to unlock everything for you. And let me give you a personal example. I mean, just even away from business and, and health, right? I, I, I struggled to lose weight. I was over 200 pounds, you know, just, just, just I, I would work out twice a day at the gym. I would do everything, you know, and I would hear this concept that, look, you know, nutrition, weight loss, and health is 70% diet, 30% exercise. Rubbish. Those are just marketing gimmicks. That does not, how can I lose weight by just watching what I eat? That's, that's nonsense, man. And I, and I was very proud of that. I was like, I'm, I'm going to prove these guys wrong because I was doing it so subconsciously. I didn't realize by working out twice a day and I was tired. I was exhausted, but I kept waking up 5 a.m. And then after working the evenings, going to the gym. And then I decided, you know what? Let me humble myself, right? Let me learn about nutrition. And I studied it. So one month, all I did was worked on what I ate, no exercise. And I lost 10 20 pounds in one month, healthily. In that year, I lost over 50 pounds. And, and I tested the concept by eating a pizza every Saturday night because I was like, I need to make sure I understand what's going on with my body. And then I realized I need to, I need to understand what is my, met, my metabolism, what's going on. So it was just one small thing that I needed to change. It wasn't about trying to push this big effort thing, right? It was just being honest with myself and realizing, you know what? Uh, I, got, I got an issue with what I put in my mouth. <laughs> And that's, that is such a cool example of it too, because it, it's not an adjustment that's really that difficult. I mean, my guess is you didn't have to be laser focused on your diet either in order to lose that. It was just saying, controlling it, right? And saying, what am I actually putting in and consciously putting it in? I, I have a brother-in-law, he's lost almost a hundred pounds this year doing that exact same thing is just paying attention to it. And he, he runs here or there, they do some activity, but, but he says it's, it's for him, it's been 90% what he eats. And I thought that was so intriguing. I tried it for two weeks, basically. And I lost a pound a week doing that. Like That's just bizarre. Really interesting to watch that happen. Um, and it's the same way in business though. Like you're saying, it's, it's those teeny little adjustments that make massive, massive dividends for us. So I do want to ask you this, Robert, because, um, you know, we are coming up to the end of the interview here and anybody who's been listening to this can tell, I mean, Robert obviously knows what he's talking about and helping people to break that barrier, figuring out where you're at and then improving yourself. I mean, your story is a great example of this, Robert, being somebody who was an accountant, you know, I, the office that we rent is within an accounting firm. And uh, it's really funny because they all walk in dead. They leave dead. They're not excited. It's tax season right now too. They just had an extension. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of the atypical accountant, right? And I have a partner who's an accountant and, and he's been fighting that and fighting that and fighting that to not be that way. Um, but it's it's so interesting that you were able to take that and now you're helping people, your energy level's higher. You're much better at, at explaining this. I This is probably the best um, interview I've ever had about fighting imposter syndrome. So I, I appreciate that. So I, I want to ask you, Robert, first off, where can people get access to you? People can get access to me through my website, www.robertabell.com. And that's B-L-L-E. From there, you can get links to my YouTube, you know, all my social media accounts. That's the best way to get, get in contact with me. Awesome. And I would, I would highly recommend for everybody to go check that out. So it's Robert A. Bell, B-E-L-L-E.com. So make sure you go check that out because, I mean, the content he puts out is amazing. This guy has been speaking all over the place and doing some amazing stuff in, especially in this imposter syndrome space. So I would highly recommend everybody to go check that out. And Robert, just one final question for you, which is, could you leave us with one final parting piece of guidance for our audience? The piece of guidance I'll give is that you want to be able to appreciate the pain 
of boredom, but the right pain of boredom. And what I mean by that is by, you know, doing that daily discipline, that consistency, staying at it and not procrastinating and avoiding because you want to take the best action that will give the biggest result. And too often people time fail trying to plan to take the best action. The thing that you want to do is just get it started, get it started. And then, you know, you might get in quote unquote, a little bored in trying to you know, develop that routine, but it's in developing that routine that you develop the discipline. And then just when you're about to get absolutely bored, then you change it up again. You change it up and try something different. So what I'm saying is just mommy it, make a minor adjustment that will give you a major improvement. So when you, when you after listening to this podcast, don't go out and try to drought out some brand fantastic strategy. Just start changing one small thing, but not just any small thing, one small thing that will give you that big improvement that you're looking for. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.